Support for this podcast comes from, well, that would be you. And if you'd like to help support the Bigger Story podcast, uh, you'll find the link in the show notes. Loved ones, what's going on? I'm Bruce. Welcome to season four of A Bigger Story. This episode is called Why Do You Have to Be So Meme? M-E-M-E. And right off the bat, I'm going to own it. I'm feeling cranky today as I record this podcast. If you are 60 years old, which I am, and you have this low-grade fever of frustration, there's a word for that. It's called being cranky. And you might be saying, Bruce, wait a minute. I want to be inspired. I tuned in because I want to feel better after listening to the podcast than I felt before I listened to the podcast. So don't be showing up cranky. Just let me explain. First of all, Season three started, I think, like in February of this year, 2023. And then in March, I had this back surgery where four levels of my spine were fused together. They fuse your vertebrae together with rods and screws and stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I'll have the operation. I'm supposed to be in the hospital maybe like five days. Then I'll uh, come home. I'll recuperate for a week or two and get back to the podcast Oh boy, was I wrong about that. I I was in the hospital for a lot longer than I anticipated. Went for like seven days without even being able to eat anything, but nothing by mouth. What, what an interesting way to lose weight. And you think I've kept that weight off? No. that And that alone is reason to be cranky there. I gained the weight back. So that happens. And season three just got cut radically short. They told me it takes a year to recover from this surgery. But I didn't think it'd take a year to recover, recover. But it does take a long time. And I'm recording this uh, podcast, this episode, on September 27th. Is that today? Yeah, September 27th. Tomorrow, September 28th, which is like six months after the surgery, I finally have my final physical therapy session tomorrow. So, yeah, recovery has kind of taken a really long time. And then throw into the mix, I ended up with this paralyzed vocal cord. My right vocal cord is partially paralyzed. And so my voice is raspy. It doesn't sound the same. Sometimes my vocal cords like go into spasm and then I start coughing and I have trouble breathing and it makes it hard to do what I do. Since I was 19 and got my first radio disc jockey job, And then later on in life, when I go to seminary and become an ordained clergy person, you know, so much, not all of it, but so much of my life has to do with talking. And so, you know, to add insult to injury, got this paralyzed vocal cord and starting in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be getting these injections into my vocal cords, which if they work to relieve some of the symptoms indicate that I'm a candidate for surgery on my vocal cords which hopefully will make them all better more permanently. But, you know, that's enough to make somebody cranky, right? And then in addition, you know, I'm just cranky because our society here in our country, you know, I live in the United States. If you're listening in another country, um, I'm sure you've got your stuff too. But here in the United States, it just feels really broken right now. Our politics feel broken. (laughs) Just so much dumbassery and ick. And politicians as performance artists, or maybe more appropriately performance artists trying to pass themselves off as 
politicians and the result is this society that's less civil. It's more rude, more antagonistic, more centered on hate. And because everybody, everybody has a platform if we want one, the volume and the velocity of all that junk is just, it defies description right now. And I worry, I get cranky about whether we can ever get beyond all this. Can we recover from it? I mean, how do you heal the collective soul of a society? You know, the places where we used to gather to do that kind of work, um, people are hitting the eject button on church and synagogue and mosque participation in record numbers in our country. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's wrong, by the way, um, it, but it's certainly real. Um, there's one mainline Protestant denomination. I'm not going to call them out because I don't want to sound like I'm picking on them because I love them. But um, like in the year 2000, there were 5.4 million members of this denomination and their own research office is projecting that I think by the year 2040, that there will be on average 16,500 people in average worship attendance in that denomination's churches across the whole United States, 5.4 million to 16,500 in like the next 17 years. So what do we do in this polarized culture, this culture of seeming cruelty where so many seem to be trying to unite through hate unite people based on who's in and who's out, who's included, who's excluded, who's a patriot, who's not a patriot, versus this other option of uniting people through care and empathy. I mean, how do we do that if we're not getting together in some kind of embodied experience? It can happen virtually, but I also think it needs to happen like with real bodies, real people in real rooms, face-to-face talking about issues of thriving and flourishing in our communities, learning empathy. You know, uh, Jesus, well, was it? No, it wasn't Jesus. (laughs) It was Paul in uh, his letter to the Corinthians. You hear this one at weddings all the time. 1 Corinthians 13, the one that ends, now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. I want to like pull a Jesus move on that. Jesus said about various things. You have heard it said in ancient times, but now I tell you. So you have heard it said in ancient times that faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. But now I tell you that faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the best that we can do right now, I think, is empathy. I will settle for empathy in our society right now. An empathy an empathy that understands that my truth isn't your truth and yours isn't mine and we might even radically disagree about some things. But to quote Professor Marcus Collins, as long as your worldview doesn't mean someone else's oppression, we can hang with each other and we can learn from each other and develop empathy with and for each other and for others who aren't in the room. That's how we get more empathy. How do you get more empathy? Go where more empathy is required. And part of that for spiritual people, for religious people, is we have to figure out how to tell a bigger story. We have to be able to live in this space where we have this ability to inherit and own our own traditions and at the same time to recognize the depth of beauty 
of others? Do we really think that the God that we claim to believe in is so limited and so small that God determined that there was one way, one access point, one pathway to divine union, to please God, if that's even supposed to be a goal, to please God. I'm not even sure what that means. But do we think that there's only, that God devised that there'd be one path and everybody who wasn't pursuing that one path um, is out, is not included? Do we really think that God is that small? And we can't even get to a point often where we allow for a bigger story within the grand umbrella of Christianity. And now the world is asking, demanding of us that we are able to tell a bigger story that goes beyond even Christianity. So that's what we work on here at A Bigger Story. And I said that this episode is called, Why'd You Have to Be So Meme? Because even my progressive Christian friends in their social media spaces seem so enamored of posting these memes And I don't think that they're achieving the effect that my friends who are posting them think that they're achieving. Like this one, this meme. So it's a pic, you know, memes are like graphics, often with text, right? So this one I saw the other day. Nothing can stop us from the mission God has called us to. Nothing can stop us from the mission God has called us to. Is that really true? I could walk out the door and get hit by a bus as soon as I'm done recording this podcast. And then I think that something stopped me from the mission God has called me to. And by the way, how do I even know if the mission that I'm on and that I'm passionately pursuing is the one that God has called me to? What do I mean by God? What do I mean by something that God has called me to? A vocation. How does God call somebody to something? And can nothing stop me? I could drop dead of a heart attack. I think that stopped me. I could end up in some kind of psychological, emotional crisis, a relational crisis, a financial, economic crisis that's paralyzing. I can think of a whole lot of things that could paralyze Bruce Cole and stop me dead in my tracks. So when I see somebody post a meme that says nothing can stop us from the mission God has called us to, I'm like, Can we think about that for a minute? Here's another one, and I feel nothing but love behind it. This was what the meme said. Whenever you feel unloved, unimportant, or insecure, remember to whom you belong. Whenever you feel unloved, unimportant, or insecure, remember to whom you belong. And if you're not a traditional Christian with a lot of traditional Christian data inside of you, what does that even mean? Whenever you feel unloved, unimportant, or insecure, remember to whom you belong. What it's supposed to mean is remember that you are God's. Remember that you belong to God. What do we mean when we say you belong to God? And how is that a comfort to someone? But here's the one that really got under my skin. And um, I'm going to sound so, you see, I told you, cranky. Um, I'm happy cranky, but I'm still cranky because I just don't accept these things at face value anymore. This was the one that really got me. Be the reason 
Again, these are memes, right? Be the reason someone loves Jesus, not the reason they hate Christians. Now, that sounds really cool, right? Be the reason someone loves Jesus, not the reason they hate Christians. And yeah, if you're going, if you're going to tell people that you are a Jesus person, then please don't hurt the brand. By all means, if you're going to let people know, hey, I'm a Christian, if you're going to wear a cross around your neck, uh, you're going to put one of those fish on your car bumper, um, going to wear one of those what would Jesus do bracelets, by all means, definitely be the reason someone loves Jesus and try not to be the reason that they hate Christians or hate Jesus. I spent all of yesterday rereading through the four Gospels in the Christian Scripture, in the new, what's called the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And no, I found Jesus talking about love a lot. And I read Jesus like giving a mission to his followers at various points. I read the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. You know, the Beatitudes are the ones that begin with, blessed are you. Blessed are you who mourn for you will be comforted. Those are the Beatitudes. But nowhere could I find Jesus saying to his followers that our mission is for people to love Jesus. The mission is to love people, full stop. And the expression of that love is including the excluded, loving the hated, embracing the marginalized, healing the sick, feeding the hungry. That's the mission. And people feel love from us, authentic love from us, when we are part of relieving their suffering. And that was the mission of Jesus. The mission is not to love someone and be the to be the reason that they love Jesus because you know what that makes them that makes them our project that means that our love has an agenda i'm going to love that person so that they'll love Jesus i don't want anybody to not love Jesus i don't want anybody to not love pope francis i don't want anybody to not love me i don't want anybody to not love you but the mission the mission is to love full stop I did see a meme I do like. <laughs> this one said this. Jesus did exorcisms, you know, driving demons, uh, driving Satan out of somebody, driving the devil out of someone, an exorcism. Jesus did exorcisms in places of worship first. That is where one often finds the most stubbornly destructive social myths. <laughs> yeah. Kind of think, kind of think that they're onto something there. But what I think we most need to be onto is that we really, really, really need to start to be able to tell bigger stories. Stories told with empathy for the stories of others. Stories that recognize that my truth isn't your truth, your truth isn't mine. We might radically disagree about some things, but as long as our truths are not oppressing another person, we can learn from each other empathy, bigger stories, an ability to inherit and own our own traditions. 
and to use them as jumping off points to recognize the depth of beauty of someone else's spiritual tradition. Thanks for the honor and privilege of chattering in your ear for a little bit. Hope it was helpful in some way. We'll drop another episode again next Wednesday. And every Wednesday after that for a while, God willing, the creek don't rise and Moses not prohibiting. Remember, you are loved. <laughs>